In this episode, we explore how to choose a therapist. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps. Big Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at picking a therapist. I've talked a lot on this show about how valuable I think therapy is, how I think it's something we should all be doing for ourselves, just as similar as we are willing to prioritize our body, we're willing to prioritize our nutrition, we should be willing to prioritize our mental health and our our state of mind. And that is what therapy is for. That's what it can allow us to do. So I want to spend this episode talking about how to choose the right therapist, because it can be a challenging journey, especially now when a lot of people are doing over Zoom sessions and and things like that, it can be challenging to find the right person when you don't have that in-person relationship. So this should be a super valuable episode. Now, before we jump into it, what if anxiety is not a disease? What if it's a product of a healthy system signaling you that it's simply time to make a change? In his new book, You're Too Good to Feel This Bad, Dr. Nate Dallas shares proven strategies to escape the cultural epidemic of anxiety that plagues so many highly productive people. Stress and anxiety involve many aspects of life. You're too good to feel this bad guides you through them one chapter at a time. The journey starts with sleep, breathing, nutrition, and exercise, then quickly moves into human needs, pattern breaking, mindset. The final leg of the journey covers meditation, recreation, money, work, and relationships. This book is the summation of the 15 books you've been meaning to read, so why not just pick this one up? You're Too Good to Feel This Bad is available in paperback, e-reader, and audio format. Get it on Amazon today. Depression, phobias, anxiety, stress. We all go through periods of our lives where we experience mental illness or just mental strain in general. Some find their peace in meditation, religion, journaling, or a combination of coping skills. Others seek out the help of a trained professional, such as a psychiatrist or a therapist. There are many different kinds of professionals, personality types, and specializations to choose from, which can be overwhelming or intimidating. For many of us, we also have to take into consideration whether or not a therapist is covered by our insurance or if they offer a sliding fee to reduce costs. With so much to consider, it can be hard to know where to start. And that's why in today's episode, we're going to be discussing a few things to keep in mind when finding a therapist that fits us. Try to keep in mind throughout this episode that I'm not a professional. I'm just someone like you who's been through different seasons of life, who understands how challenging it can be to ask for help, but help is out there. So let's dive in. The first step, which some may find to be the hardest one, is to reach out. Do some independent research to find what resources are available to you. As a student, many universities offer counseling services. Some employers may offer health insurance incentives or initiatives to promote mental health. 
we all start at different paces. So go to your local library or just pull up a Google search on your phone for counselors in your area. This can be one of the hardest parts of this journey. So I actually encourage you, if you're in a position to do this right now, do a Google search on your phone right now. Don't wait until this episode is done. Just start the process. That can sometimes be the push you need to get to the next stage. Therapists are there to help, but they can't approach us. We have to take the first step, even if that first step is just to call and see what services are offered. Websites and online communities are helpful too. When looking at individual counselors, it's important to keep credentials in mind. The level of schooling, certifications, and licensure that the counselor has is public knowledge. Credentials vary from titles such as licensed professional counselor, life coach, licensed master social worker, PhD, MD, or intern. Each indicates a different path that the counselor took or is taking. If this is something that matters to us, it's our responsibility to consider what qualifications we are looking for in our counselor. But the bottom line is that we don't have to seek the guidance of someone with an extensive list of training, but we can if this is something that is important to us. So we need to recognize whether or not that matters. And when looking at credentials, it also helps to take a look at the counselor's specialty. It would be ideal to try to align ourselves with someone who studies what we're going through. For example, counselors specialize in a wide variety of issues such as trauma, grief, anxiety, depression, addiction, or personality disorders. Don't be afraid to poke around the internet, search the counselor's name to see if they've published any research, or reach out to an agency that they're employed with to get more information. The goal here, and this is critical with therapy, the goal is to find a match for your needs, a match both in personality and in the specific areas you need to focus on. Because when our needs are being met, we know it. We feel it in the interaction with the counselor, in how we feel after the session, and in the progress that we make as time goes on. If we're fortunate enough to have access to these resources, therapy can be something that helps guide us to find coping skills and get through tough times. It's not easy to reach out for help. Many of us think for years how great it would be just to talk to someone, but are intimidated by cost, paperwork, and the great unknown of what will happen once we admit that we need help, not to mention all of the social stigma around it. But the truth is, we all need help. It's even okay to seek therapy when things seem to be well in our lives. There's no shame in wanting an unbiased eye to take a look at what we're going through and the decisions we're making, even if those things are positive and good. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to wait until you're anxious to start seeking support. When therapy is going well, both us and our therapist will know it. We'll be able to see benefits over time, such as changes in our behavior, thinking, or feelings. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Sometimes therapy forces us to look at things that we've tried to bury. We may experience feelings of uneasiness as we navigate through trauma and try to quite literally change the patterns in our brain that thoughts travel along. As time goes on, though, we should begin to see clearly whether or not this counselor is right for us. So how much time do you need? Well, three or four months is a good time frame to give ourselves before deciding whether or not we want to move on to a new counselor or continue working with the one we have. 
Of course, it matters how frequently we see the counselor when deciding if we've been making progress, but this amount of time is usually a good rule of thumb. And I should state here that if for some reason you meet someone and it is just clearly not a good personality fit, you don't have to sit and wait for three or four months. You already know. But if you're trying to make your decision based on outcomes, you should give it some time. And this would also be a good time to ask our therapist if they're satisfied with our progress, just to get a feel for how things are going from their perspective, because they can see things in an impartial way. So what if it's not going well? Just like medication and relationships, sometimes we have to try a few different things out before deciding which one we want to stick with. If several months have gone by and we feel as though we haven't made progress or are getting worse, it may be a good idea to raise this issue with our therapist. There's several different types of therapy, so raising the issue may encourage the therapist to try something new for you. Another indicator of how well things are going is how our support system views our behavior changes. When beginning a healing journey of any kind, having people to rely on is important. This can be parents, friends, siblings, or romantic partners. Asking the people that are closest to us, the ones we trust and regularly go to for advice, can help us see things from a new perspective. Another thing to keep in mind here is that if we wouldn't go to this person for good advice, it may not be wise to accept their criticism. Ask those that are closest to you if they've noticed any changes in your behavior, if they notice us becoming increasingly more frustrated, distressed, depressed, or anxious, it may be time to ask ourselves if we're satisfied with what's happening. At the very least, we can bring this up with our counselor and have a session about it. So as with any journey, professional or otherwise, there are instances where we may get hurt or be in danger. Therapy is designed to help us, so acknowledging when the opposite is happening is an important skill set to have. There should be no circumstances where we feel uncomfortable with our therapist. If comments or advances are made that make us feel unsafe, it's time to abort mission. Sometimes we seek therapy when we're particularly vulnerable emotionally. If we're going to open up to make progress, it's imperative that we feel safe and out of harm when we're speaking with the counselor. If a counselor asks us to do anything that is against our moral or ethical principles, we will not be able to make progress with them. Medical professionals take an oath to do no harm. Hold them accountable to that by keeping in mind limitations and boundaries. A therapeutic relationship must be professional and not exploitive in any way. Treatment is not about harming us or re-traumatizing ourselves. It's about getting better in an environment where we feel safe. It's also important that we try to be aware of any exaggerated claims that the individual we're working with may make. There's no guarantee that just showing up to the therapist's office or logging on to a telehealth appointment will make us better. We have to do the work as the patient. Therapists who make unrealistic claims or who belittle us are not going to guide us properly. There's a lot to consider when going through the process of choosing which psychological service we want to opt for. No system is perfect, so keeping what we've talked about in this episode in mind can help us start somewhere. The goal is to continue on our mental health journey and avoid as many pitfalls in the system as possible. Regardless of circumstance, we need to feel comfortable with this person we're introducing into our lives. Quick fixes aren't necessarily realistic, and consistency is key to seeing real progress. Navigating our emotions and behavior is not easy. Simply deciding that this is a journey that we want to take is huge. 
therapy isn't on everyone's path and that's okay. For those of us who do want to try it, know that help is out there if we ask. This episode was written by Samriti Jen and edited by Sophie Sumter. Big props to them. Uh, You can find links to their Instagram in the description of this episode. I also have two links to articles that help support the concepts we discussed in today's episode. So I recommend checking those out. Before we go, I highly, highly recommend you check out today's sponsor. It's a book, which I know you guys love. You're too good to feel this bad. It's available in paperback, e-reader and audio format and is a wonderful, wonderful introduction to the journey of better mental health. It covers everything you need. Dr. Nate Dallas has done a fantastic job with it. So check out the book. You're too good to feel this bad today. I've been Greg Clunas. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.